This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Jeff Hawkins writing solo because it's summer, and you know what summer means. No co-hosts. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Super Showdown heading into Friday morning America time. I'll talk a little Raw and SmackDown, but uh, a start of all places in Ring of Honor. A little bit of controversy over the weekend as... Bully Ray apparently dressed down a fan after the fan said some things that uh, his girlfriend didn't like. Now, for the particulars, I know the fan. I've met the fan. I've met Josh. He's good people. Josh and I hung out at the line in Reseda. I think it was Bola 2014 or 15. Good guy, solid dude, goes to a lot of shows, see him every WrestleMania weekend at the Evolve shows, usually gets the platinum tickets, had a bit of an issue last year with Gabe, if I recall correctly, Goes, flies in for PWG, goes all in, goes to Double or Nothing, goes to all the New Japan shows here in Los Angeles. Just a good, solid dude. He goes, he goes to be, to enjoy the matches. He goes to boo the heels, goes to cheer the baby faces, goes to have a good time. Never seen him go over the line. Sat next to him, sat near him. Just a good all-around guy. Now, here's some rules for fandom. And don't get me wrong, there are some jerks out there. There are people who yell some horrible, horrible things at people in the ring. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to defend those people. But the first rule of is a fan out of line is are other fans upset by what he's doing? And there was no indication of that in this case. There was no indication that any of the other fans around him were complaining to security, wanted him thrown out, anything of that nature. Number two, as a performer, as a performer in a live performance setting, theater setting, you need to own your stage. If somebody is heckling you, you are allowed to take a house mic and cut a promo on that person. You are allowed to scream at that person all you want. You are allowed to humiliate that person if you want, especially if you're a heel. Especially if you're a guy like Bully Ray, who knows better, who knows all of this. It is absolutely infuriating to me that a guy who got a lot of his rep revving up crowds to almost riotous anger 
is now dressing down people backstage. I get you want to defend your your girlfriend. I keep calling him a wife. I don't think that's true. I get that. And you know what? If I I get I get the uh, I get the notion, but please, please. Okay, you're talking to a guy here. Look, I'm not going to compare my showbiz career to Bully Ray's showbiz career. But I spent most of my late teens through my early 30s in comedy venues of one kind or another. You got to learn to take care of yourself when you're performing. If you don't, get out of the business. Comedians deal with hecklers. Comedians who especially have to go up at one in the morning at, say, the Improv on a Tuesday night. If you're not getting dead silence, you're getting angry drunks yelling at you. You gotta learn to own it. If you don't learn to perform, you're in trouble. I've had people come to improv shows and want to be part of the show a little bit too much. You gotta learn how to shut those people down. You just do. It is up to you as a performer to learn the skills of defense and learn how to use your mouth to shut down the most ornery people. Hell, this crap happens in Broadway now. You know, it's... It's amazing to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people who says, hey, you bought a ticket, you can say whatever you want, and freedom of speech. I don't think that. I don't think you have the right to ruin everybody else's good time. But here's the problem. Here's the thing that performers of any stripe in any situation need to learn. If the crowd is being more entertained by the guy doing the heckling than they are you, they're going to side with the heckler, and they're eventually going to join in. That's why you have to shut that stuff down real quick. If you go to a comedy show and you're watching some amateur or you're watching... So, someone who's obviously not that connected to the audience and a guy in the audience starts cracking wise and starts getting laughs. Most of the time, the audience isn't going to be mad at that guy because they're not being entertained either. They're bored. They're going to laugh and encourage him to do more. And then eventually they're going to encourage him to go on stage. And eventually they're going to want him to go on stage instead of you. So you say you're na- so you build up these things. You build up insults in your repertoire to shut people down. Or you develop a tone. Or you you develop something. You develop some sort of thick skin and defense mechanism to go after people to to basically as a shot across the bow to say none of you others get any ideas either. Why isn't a professional wrestler who's been in the business for at least a decade. Why can't she come up with something to shut this guy down? Why is Mandy Leone apparently spitting in people's faces? I don't know what she did. But why doesn't she have the tools to shut somebody down? I guess calling someone a virgin is, is funny. Do better. Get on the house mic and call him that. He's not. People think he, people think Josh looks like Roddy Strong, so trust me, he does fine in the women department. Uh, <laughs> um, but overall, I mean, I have to take Josh's side here because 
I've just never seen or heard anyone who said he's been out of line at a show. Ever. And he's he's vocal. He'll heckle the hell out of a heel. He'll yell something to pop a crowd. That's no reason to throw him out of a show. This ain't opera. We ain't watching Carmen. Yeah. Play that Bad News Bears theme again. That was great. None of that's going on. Just a guy wanting a good time. And for God's sakes, this is wrestling. We love hearing stories of old guys who had to fight their way through crowds because crowds were so angry at them. Or Ole Anderson's getting stabbed, you know, from, from the top of the chest to the belly because some fan didn't like him as a heel. Now we got Bully Ray from the great ECW, the big, bad, tough ECW, saying, bring that guy backstage. I need to have a chat with him about his attitude. Sir, I think you could send a more positive message to the people in the seats around you. Do you understand me? <laughs> it just sounds so lame. I don't, I don't care what he... <laughs> If he was really angry, he'd punch him. He dressed him down. This is just, this is just a, <laughs> this is a power play move. This was a, I have low self-esteem. I need to make myself feel better. So I'm going to dress down this Mark kid. Just do better. Do better. Go out, go out there, get in the ring and go, who's the guy who yelled at my woman? And get this crowd riled up. Get them invested in this show. God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> Jim Cornette's rolling over in his grave. I, I just... I, I It boggles my mind. He was being too aggressive towards those heels. Sir, please escort him away from the family. Now, if you're shouting obscenities and vulgarities, and homophobic slurs, and you're around children. Yeah, sure. If he doesn't cut it out when you say, sir, can you please not around the kids, go grab a member of security. Explain the situation. See if they can calm the guy down. But this? This is part of the show. This is why people pay, or at least why they used to pay. I think WWE softened Bully Ray up a bit to what wrestling was supposed to be. It's supposed to be an exhibition where everybody claps and roots for everybody to do well and say, you deserve it and fight forever. Not to boo bad guys and cheer good guys. Oh no, those are my thoughts. If you disagree, let me know. I'd love to kind of have my mind changed. But, uh... <laughs> But, you know, I'm also a little bit biased, admittedly, because I know Josh. I don't know Bully Ray. Probably never will. Probably call me a, a moron or something. Even worse, if he heard this. But he's the performer here. He's the one with all the power. So is Velvet Sky. I believe that's the one he's dating. I didn't want to talk out of school earlier because I couldn't remember which beautiful person he was dating. Or Allure, I think that's their name now, because they got Manny Leone on there. 
but really, you are the guys with the power. And not the, but you just, you do it in the performance setting. You don't do it after you get off stage. Never seen a person who did a play, you know, write a note to somebody out front. Hey, grab that guy from row 3B. I want to have a chat with him. He was checking his phone while I was doing my monologue from Glengarry Glen Ross. Ridiculous. So on Raw and SmackDown this week, what we like, what we not like. I think we all pretty much like the Firefly Funhouse this week. I think that's kind of meta comedy that works for us. Taking a shot at Vince, taking a shot at the body image stuff that came Husky Harris's way when he was there. Those of you who haven't been watching for that long, Husky Harris, Bray Wyatt's first character, brought up as a member of the quote-unquote new Nexus, along with one Curtis Axel, quickly dropped because he didn't look the part, even though he was a badass in the ring. This is weird and wild and creepy. But I have a question. It makes him an interesting personality. How am I getting interested in him as a wrestler? I think it's a question to, you should explore. Because I think there should be more to these guys and having personality than the personality automatically, you know, trumps everything. You know, do we want to see him fight, or do we just want to see him do these skits for the rest of eternity? It's not that I'm sick of the skits. They're great. They're very well thought out. If uh, <laughs> if these haven't all been put in the can yet, I want to see. I want to see some comment. I want to see some referencing of these John Moxley interviews with Wade Keller and Chris Jericho. You know, have him say a line and have that Devil McMahon come out and go, "That's good stuff, pal." Or a good bleep, pal. Can't say that word on TV. But it's the kind of meta comedy I enjoy. But again, I, I'm. It's been two months now almost of doing this. When are we going to see what this all equals to in terms of him as a wrestler? Not him as a personality. We know that. He's a guy fighting inner demons who wears a mask. He talks to his subconscious in this playhouse, funhouse. But again, I, I'm I'm wondering. Okay, we've gotten to the point where the personality is over. Now get him over as a wrestler. How are we going to do that? It's time for that next step thinking. I think we're all in pretty much agreement that that women's segment on, uh, well, the women's segment on Raw was pretty darn rough. The one on SmackDown to me was inexcusable. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm anti the stars on Bailey's face. I don't know whose idea that was. It sounds, sounds like a Vince, we need to sizzle her up a bit. How do we do that? Let's draw stars in her forehead and hair. But here's the problem. That Alexa Bliss, uh, Moment of Bliss segment, number one, it was scripted like almost every other women's segment when Road Dog was in charge of SmackDown. Two women start talking, then every other woman in the division who's involved in whatever comes out. Number two, Alexa Bliss's personality absolutely killed Bailey here. And Bailey's supposed to be this new, aggressive, fight for herself type. And she just sat there and took crap too long. She she's gonna get eaten alive in these segments. 
if she does not fight for her character, I think. That doesn't mean she has to be a bad employee backstage. It doesn't mean she has to be entirely difficult. But I think it would do her well. If she's able to. And I know there are people on staff that listen to this show. It would be a suggestion from me. I'm not saying we should have a one-on-one talk, but it's just a general suggestion. That Bailey should read a script in mind and think, okay, how do I get to come out on top in this exchange? Because verbally, she comes off weak. I know she's a fairly confident performer. But verbally, when she does this stuff, she comes off as unsure, especially with the verbiage. She comes off like an actor trying to remember her lines, quite frankly. And the problem is, Alexa Bliss's character is far too strong. It's far too cutting in terms of her sarcasm and her dressing people down because she is an attractive woman. And Vince loves his attractive women. I get that. But Alexa ate her alive on this segment. And this is supposed to be the new Bailey. And now she's the number one contender for the belt on the show she's not on. Brand Split's dead. I don't care about this wild card rule. They can call it the wild card rule all they want. It's basically who do we want on both shows. And we're just going to do that every week. So we're going to have a buildup of Bailey versus Alexa. I'm going to be very interested in this. I have my thoughts and my theories. I think they're going to have Alexa cut her down for weeks, and then Bliss is going to snap. I mean, Bailey's going to snap on her. And show that, yes, she's no longer the dumb girl that Bliss once beat. Maybe. Maybe. Could also be... Sasha might be coming back. Time for Bailey to lose this title so she can win the tag titles again. That would be... Devastating for Bailey, in my opinion. It would. Because these titles are now ice cold. They were hot when they won them. We were excited about the notion of them going to NXT and defending the women's tag titles against Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the Iconics as personalities. That backstage vignette that the WWE.com put out? Hilarious. They're They're great. They're funny. They're annoying. And then they have to wrestle. And then they end up kicking Nikki Cross in the face. (laughs) Things like that. Accidents happen. Don't get me wrong. It's just, um... They never get... There's this weird thing in WWE where you never really get past that first note you hit. I think everybody kind of knows that. Right? Because you look at this bill for... Super Showdown. Shane McMahon is being addressed like he's a 20-year-old kid. He's a spoiled brat. Dude, Shane McMahon is older than I am. He's close to 50. He's close to Goldberg's age, and he's still being booked as a child. Okay, the Iconics are never get get be more than, We're Iconic! And Screeching Hens. That's all they're gonna be. There's no character development on on these shows, so I think giving the titles back to Sasha and Bailey at this point, if Sasha were to come back, is a demotion for Bailey. 
It's a promise to Sasha if she gets it. Oh, we'll make these special. Trust us this time. You'll get to go wherever you want and fight these men. And maybe they'll get a couple matches. But then he'll get bored. And he'll have him drop them to, you know, Fire and Desire or Lacey Evans and a broomstick. Whoever. I just don't know. I, but this this segment. Okay, sure. She knocked the coffee cup out of Alexa's hand. But she had already sat there for a good three to four minutes just getting dressed down. And you don't want to see that out of a out of a champion who's already been weak before. You just don't. Lars Sullivan cut a promo. <laughs> uh, all I can think of is monster in comic book introduction monologue. I'm here to paint with the f- bodily fluids of my victims. Okay. A little much. You know you're a bad man. We can just look at you. I kind of like the freak aspect of it. But a little too over the top for my taste. All you gotta do is go out there and intimidate Kayla. As opposed to, you know, I'm going to tell you how evil I am. It's like, all right, fine, we get it. Didn't think it was a bad promo. I just thought it was, you know, typical. I mean, this is basically Braun Strowman's first promo. We've heard it. It it wasn't anything special. I was kind of hoping he'd come out and do kind of what he was doing in NXT with the intelligent beast thing. And then lead to the freak and then get angry. I thought that'd be a much better way, but... They disagree. They want to make him a monster. He's Vince's new monster in his stable. Vince, big fan of old cereals of the 50s. Cereals, S-E-R-I-A-L-S. You need a monster. You need a hero. This is the new monster. This is the SmackDown monster. That's how he casts the movie. That said, Goldberg on a promo. I said this when he came back to fight Brock. I love this Goldberg. I do. Not giving a damn Goldberg might be my favorite promo. He is awesome. Problem is, this match is going to stink on ice, I think. he uh, the, the gray. Everybody has gray hair, bald hair. It's like the senior PGA. But I got hyped for the match for a few moments. He sold that match. He sold it. And it was awesome the way he sold it. I loved the stare down. I thought that was great too. But Goldberg got me into the building on this on this fight. Thought Undertaker was okay on Raw. Typical Undertaker fair. I will have you rest in peace. I don't want the old. I don't want this Goldberg. I want the old Goldberg. Well, you can't have him. Because time travel ain't been invented. And there's not enough Saudi money in the world for you to go back in time. We're getting 50-year-old Goldberg and 50-year-old Undertaker. Enjoy the show. But it might be good. Keep it short and sweet. I think both guys may be gassed by 30 seconds in. But Brock's... Not Brock. We'll get to Brock. Goldberg's promo was fantastic, I thought. And I just, it's amazing to me to watch this guy who just kind of grunted and snorted in WCW have this fantastic personality as he's mellowed with age. 
It's fantastic. I love this guy. I hope he wins. He's not going to because it's WCW versus WWF, the Attitude Era. See Sting and Triple H. What do you all think of that Triple H, Randy Orton showdown? With Randy just corpsing throughout the thing. As if, can you believe I have to say these dumb lines? I think Hunter tried. I think even Hunter saw the ridiculousness of, of it. That's the kind of meta stuff I don't like. Hey, we're going to get in this ring and we're just going to fight. Okay, fine, then don't talk. I don't need to see that. It only worked once. It worked when CM Punk pointed out that every contract signing ends in physical violence. Get to it now. Say some things that interest me. The Orton line about balls in the purse. I thought that was kind of weak sauce. I got to be honest with you. It's a good ooh line for the kids. But we hear that every time now. We hear that, you know, Triple H has gone corporate. And now Triple H's promos are about, don't let this suit fool you, I'm still the cerebral assassin. I don't know, I would have liked Orton to just RKO'd him. That's it. Don't even listen, just RKO the guy. Brock Lesnar beat down Seth Rollins. For a moment, I thought they were writing Seth off the show for Friday. I thought maybe he was also a conscientious objector. They were trying to figure out a way to get him out of there. My idea was, okay, Baron Corbin comes down, demands a match start, and he win by countout. They start the match, starts the count. Brock cashes in on, on Corbin, wins the title. Still a title match. It's a little too clever by half. I don't know really what's going to happen on Friday. I gotta be honest with you, I'm intrigued by it. Because Brock Lesnar is a superstar. There's no getting around it. He is a draw. He is a special attraction. He is a guy I want to watch every time he comes down the ring to kill somebody. Because half the time, I don't know if he's going to actually hurt somebody. But I know death follows with him. And I know that he is a badass. And I like badasses in my wrestling. So I will always, I will always cheer for Brock Lesnar. I like him. I think it's going to be, I think though... My thoughts were, well, maybe they want a title change in Saudi Arabia because they haven't really had anything of import happen on any of these Saudi shows. Then my other thought would be, what if Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar after getting killed by people? And then that becomes kind of the special moment we remember from Super Showdown. Because don't get me wrong, I think the Saudis came to them and go, look, we're getting a half measure here. Give us something WrestleMania equivalent. And so they actually took that literally in the marketing. I think you're going to see a lot more spectacle on this show. I think you're going to see grand entrances. No expense spared. I think you're going to see some two to three star matches, maybe if we're lucky. But overall, it's going to be a crowd-pleasing event for the Saudi people. 
but it's going to be big on spectacle because I think they want a WrestleMania type event in their place. They want, they don't want to just be another big event for the WWE. They didn't buy the greatest Royal rumble just because it was bigger because it didn't mean anything. HBK's return was fine, but that match stunk and the crowd turned on it eventually. They want a match people are talking about. They want an event people are talking about because then it helps their tourism too. And that's what a lot of this is about is Saudi Arabia wants to be the United Arab Emirates. Now, look, I have said many times on this show, I am not as offended as many by them going to Saudi Arabia. My geopolitics tends to think Saudi Arabia is probably our first best friend after the UAE and after Israel in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia is cool to Israel in the Middle East. MBS basically locked up his anybody who was there before him because they were all corrupt and financing terrorism. And then he goes and does this thing with Khashoggi who isn't the nicest fella in the world either, but it was still wrong to kill him. I understand people's offense by it. I don't understand the... (laughs) I don't understand, like, Wade Keller every day having to go on some rant about, well, they killed a journalist, which a little bit of a deceptive term. He's a guy with a byline for the editorial page. You know, and Dave Meltzer also just being so deeply offended by taking the Saudi Arabian money as they speak in technology made in China and also cover the UFC, which has done shows in both Russia and China and the United Arab Emirates. Not forget, WWE also went to Abu Dhabi. Not the most progressive city in the world. Not the most... Well, actually, that's probably a territory, not a city, now that I think about it. But, look, the United Arab Emirates, they now have sporting events from F1. They have international tennis tournaments. They have a big golf tournament over there every year where they pay people to come over. They are trying to become a rich person's playground while also maintaining their oppressive style and their oppressive culture. Saudi Arabia wants a little bit of that, too. That's what China wants American businesses there, too. Russia wants you to come over and help build their economy because they don't have any more oil. Okay? Corporations are not moral actors. Let's not try and make them so. To do so, we'd all have to admit we're hypocrites. It's a great line from the uh, Patty Chayefsky screenplay for Network. There are no nations, there are no peoples, there are no Russians, there are no Arabs, there are no third worlds, there is no West. There's only one holistic system of systems, one vast and main, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rins, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. It's cynical as hell, but it's the world we live in. Let's take a look at this card, shall we? I have 
gone away from it on my browser, so I will I will what we like to call vamp a bit. Here we are, Super Showdown. So where should we begin? I think we should begin at the 50-man Battle Royal. This is the easiest match to predict on the card. Whoever is the local person in the Battle Royale will win the Battle Royale to give the people a nice cheap pop. Bank on it. There will be a Saudi kid. Maybe Mansoor is in this. I believe he was at the first tryout. But there will be somebody hyped up as the hometown hero, and he will win this Battle Royale. Lars Sullivan taking, out, taking on the Lucha House Party. Three-on-one handicap match. Lucha House Party got the upper hand on Raw. That means Lars Sullivan's going to kill these people, which is a shame, because three people should never be able to beat one. But we have a giant to build, everybody. Braun Strowman taking on Bobby Lashley in a singles match. Pretty obvious Braun Strowman's going to win that one. Finn Balor as the Demon taking on Andrade for the WWE Intercontinental title. Not much to this either. Andrade got the upper hand on the go-home show. Finn Balor's undefeated as the Demon. He's the spectacle. He's the one people are coming to see. He's going to win. Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon. It's going to be absolute decimation with some help from Drew McIntyre, probably. On Shane McMahon's part before Roman Reigns finally gets the win. And probably gets beat down by Drew after the match. Kofi Kingston taking on Dolph Ziggler for a singles match for the WWE Championship. Apologies if you can hear my neighbor in the stereo. Uh, I am going to go against the grain and say that uh, I liked the video packages. I thought that was smart. I thought that was cool. I thought that was, uh, you know, I don't like them throwing the TV and then coming back after they're watching it. But I admire the effort. I think this is what they should do more of. I liked them doing callbacks to history. I think that's what they should do more of. I like continuity in my storylines. I think that's what they should do more of. Dolph Ziggler's voice, they should do less of that. I don't know what he's doing here. This is Dolph Ziggler in his Chris Jericho phase where he saw something in pop culture and liked it and now he's emulating it. I'm almost positive of that. I just can't figure out who he's emulating right now. Fairly easy win for Kofi Kingston, I think, after a long, grueling match. I don't think they're going to change the title. Too much goodwill. Liked the Ghana package as well. That's WWE done right. Triple H taking on Randy Orton in a singles match. This is going to be at least 10 minutes too long. It's going to be overdramatic. Triple H wanting to tell his story. Sledgehammer's eventually coming out. Triple H is going to cut out, kick out of an RKO. Probably hit him with the sledgehammer again. Crawl valiantly, taking every last step like he did with Booker T on his elbows. Cover Randy Orton. One, two, three. Triple H is going to win. Randy Orton's not going to carry. He's there for the paycheck. Goldberg versus The Undertaker. Undertaker's going to win. Hope it's on the short side. Think it's going to be kind of an awesome. It's going to be awesome right up until the bell. Hopefully it starts with a spear and a kick out. What did I miss? Ah, yes. And then finally, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Singles match for the WWE Universal title. 
I have Seth winning this one. I do have Brock cashing in. And I think they have Brock fail in his cash-in. How about that? How about that the part-timer, the beast, gets a little bit of aura tarnished? I don't... Well, oh man. I just had a thought halfway through. If this is a nostalgia crowd, they would pop for a Brock Lesnar title win. Guys, I'm going to backtrack here. I think Brock Lesnar may take this title. I think there's at least a 60% chance that he takes the title. going to stick with my Rollins pick because I think you build a new star. Quote, unquote, like a mega, mega, mega star. If he can somehow come out of the Baron Corbin win and curb stomp Brock. But I don't have faith in Vince McMahon. So I think there's a very good chance Brock leaves. And then Seth gets it back at stomping grounds with a curb stomp. But for now, I'm going to hope that they keep this belt on Seth Rollins. That'll do it for our preview. Gonna make it a kind of a short show since I'm writing solo this week. Chris Novembrino will be back. We'll talk NXT TakeOver 25. Talk some of the new NXT name changes, which are both interesting. And if you're not on Twitter... Just do me a favor, go and uh, follow Alex Pawlowski and I's conversation about this, especially Trevor Trevor Lee's new name. Go and support local wrestling. Go be a good fan. And always, always heckle the heels. You can follow me at CrapGame13. You can follow Chris Novembrino at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. You can follow Rob McCarron, who may or may not do more shows at Robcasts, R-O-B-C-A-S-T-S. Enjoy our Patreon and get those episodes for as little as $1 a month. Patreon.com slash ShakeThemRopes. We're doing an episode here, I believe. Maybe we'll do a live watch of this Super Saudi special. Three hours of audio. Could you stand that? I don't think so. But anyways, thanks for listening. We'll be back Thursday night, Friday morning, with STR2. NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live.